Saved by Marner! Holy mackerel! It is Gilmore waiting, waiting around the net, waiting is open. Gilmore! Johnny Toronto! I wonder if they can hear it on Long Island. Great move! What a goal! Beauty! Austin Matthews! Bless you boys! What a game! Welcome to the MLHS podcast. I'm fired up that we're back after uh, coming back strong last week. We back-to-back weeks worth of podcasts. This time, a new but an old crew. Me, Anthony, I'm joined by the PPP boys. Uh, God, Till, and Danny. Uh, how's it going, fellas? I'm pretty good. I'm doing all right. I'm a little disappointed. I, I One of my favorite moments of being a Leafs fan in the last few years was having people I'm friends with or family with who are Senators fans try to tell me that Nikola uh, Zaitsev is actually pretty good. Uh, first couple of years of that deal. They're like, no, I think we actually got, we got pretty good value there. He's a pretty good defenseman. I'd be like sitting there nodding be like, oh yeah, yeah, no, you're going to enjoy that for sure. And now uh, that era is over. So the, a sad. we, we just found out that Zaitsev got traded for reference. It, it happened about a minute ago, right before we went yeah. live. I just, I just find that whole Ottawa summer, I just found actively hilarious. I did not engage with it, really. Um, I mean, they were some 40-plus points back of the Leafs, and in oh. some planet, people thought adding Alex Dabrinkat and Claude Giroux essentially closed the gap between those two teams. Nice player, Alex Dabrinkat, though. Yeah, he is nice. And Giroux's having a sick year. I love Giroux. We could have taken him instead of Igor Korshkov. That would have been dope. Or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I posted this on Twitter the other day. Ely Rasinen is on his eighth league, not team, eighth league since we drafted him. He's played in eight <laughs> leagues in the last five years. That sounds to me like someone who loves the game. <laughs> nice guy. Tries hard. <laughs> loves the game. And, right. that, and that takes me to the Phil era and, and actually an argument I was having with all people, my dad today. Uh, not so much an argument, but we were having a heated debate because, and I think this is a good place to start. They obviously made the Ryan O'Reilly trade. He had a really tidy hat trick last night. If you've been a Leaf fan of any time of consequence, you will never get tired of the Leafs going into Buffalo and handing them their ass. I mean, there's just been so many painful defeats in that barn. So I've, to watch I've, that. I've had the, the worst, the worst live hockey experience of my life was in Buffalo, pretty much. Oh no! Was that the Tim Connolly through his own legs? Ken Klee getting walked. The- I don't remember exactly what it was. It was it was like 2007 or 2008. The Leafs were on the cusp of of like just getting that eighth spot, and they went up four one in the thir- in the third period. Um, yeah, I think that was the Tim Connolly game where he that scored was? the sick goal. And, and me, and my buddies are fucking. We're we're razzing the, the we're in the Sabres fans' faces, just giving it to him, you know. And then of course four two, four three, four four. Then 5-4 in regulation. I was just, I was so dejected. I just said, screw it. And I lit up a cigarette in the, in the ring. We're in the very, <laughs> we're in the very back row. <laughs> they, like, Is someone smoking here? I said, no, no, no one's smoking. It looks over. I've got dark going here. So <laughs> you were this close. You could have been, you could have been OG dark guy. If TSN had cut to you, you'd be on. Dejected dark right guy. Now. You'd have a show. <laughs> the, the worst is the regulation loss there. And. The, the Leafs found new and exciting ways to lose to Buffalo. So I don't really care what the circumstances are at any point. The Leafs beating Buffalo is great. I like the trade too, be, or I like the game. I've, I like the trade a lot too. And we can talk about that, but I like the game because it kind of quieted down. I think some of the nonsense that's come out around Ryan O'Reilly since they acquired him. you know, is this Nick Felino 2.0, which I have a whole thing on that too, that again, Felino he got hurt. I think he would have been completely fine here had yep. he not been hurt. Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, and I read that. But to be yeah. like, to be fair, like Nick Felino getting hurt is not like a crazy outcome, right? Like, no, it's was not. not a guy who like played a lot of full seasons. Like that was part yeah. of the risk package there. Yeah, I just I find when people talk about that trade, it's as if he was shit because, and I think yes. a lot there was a good chunk of people that wanted Taylor Hall, which fine, fair enough. Yeah. And so then they've made this into a whole, well, actually, Felino was just shit, and here was the proof. And I'm, I just, I don't view it like that. I just, yeah, it went that's, that's a good business for sure. 
but he also like wasn't that good like it's nick felino like it's a winger <laughs> it's a winger it's a guy who doesn't score a ton of goals right like it's yeah. a guy who could help you but like yeah. we're talking about adding like if we're talking about like least trade deadline acquisitions right ryan o'reilly is like an order of magnitude of better uh, and yeah not even close like, yeah that, go back to trade deadlines of the past was like nick felino like the time we got owen nolan no like if you're talking no. about adding a winger like no, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is the most consequential one we've seen since the Quinn era for sure. The, this is the biggest the leech trade. Leech. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. since Prime Leech. It's not close. I mean, if you've if you've been a fan, and and this takes me back to the argument I was having with my dad, is basically if you track back over the past 40 years, when have the Leafs ever been in it? Basically, the few years with Dougie and Wendell. Mm-hmm. Two. There was a, Those are two a, years. Two years. And there was five years you could say. Under with Matt's. Yeah, and Matt. Right, the yeah, 99 to 04. And that's it. End of list. Yeah, if you're 40 it's, years, yeah, that's it now. Yeah, yeah, it's been shit otherwise. So there's based seven years out of 40 where you can sit there and say, these guys are in it. And so to me, I look at that and say, you have to get a D-man. Like, I just, I can't look at this defense and say that it's good enough. And I, I understand where they rank in terms of goals against. I think their forwards are very good defensively. They and play think, good defensive hockey. Like, yeah. I, how many years have we watched the Leafs not have a fucking clue how to yeah. shut things down, how to, you know, yeah. tighten up Mix the in a back zone. check. Yeah, like, the forwards yeah. all a back check. Like, it's, yeah. a, it's a fantastic – like, people people hate on Sheldon, but, like, the team plays good team defense. They do. And and, o, and O'Reilly adds to that team defense, right, in a yeah. in a big way. Uh, like, as does Achari. Achari is as yeah. well, right? So I, I also feel the need here to point out that while we talk about forwards being good defensively, they're – there might have been no one that was bigger king at this than Tyler Bozak of the fake head down, fake skate hard back. Give it yeah. Her. yeah. And he <laughs> and he looks like he's giving it, but you know that he's not. And it's just it killed me for about five years. And I actually liked Bozak more than most. Stanley I thought he was Cup crafty. champion, Tyler Bozak. He was very good in that cup in that cup run yeah. for them. And he Dude, was good. Has for the Tyler Leafs. Bozak blocked you on Twitter? No, I just not not that I know of. I've never really looked. I because he's a name searcher. I got blocked by Ty, and I'm not like the kind of you know I'm not an asshole. I don't like tweet at players and be like you suck. But like yeah. Tyler goes that clearly name searches because I was like oh you know like he he did that or he like blew a two on one with Phil and I tweeted about it the next day. It was like Tyler Bozak's <laughs> blocked too. It's like all right. Yeah, all that right. sounds about right. I mean, I don't follow any of the players because I just don't find a point to doing that. But I didn't follow him either. You can still block yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just mean like I couldn't even tell you if any players interact with me once or whatnot or where I stand with any of them. I mean, I've bumped into a few here and there. Here's and... all I'm gonna say because I'm like a bigger deal than either of you guys with the fan base, which is yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. There is one of the Leafs dads who follows me, and I'm not gonna say who it is because I'm. Not it has to be Sandines. It has to be Sandines. I know you're out there, and I appreciate you. That's all I'm gonna say. It has to be Sandines dad. He follows me. <laughs> and I feel bad sometimes, but it, it kind of is what it is. Well, half the fan base is, you want to talk about adding a D, half the fan base is trying to trade my boy Raz. And I know that you like him, but I think logically he would be the most, like one of the most notable pieces they could move depending on the level of player that they're going to bring in. I mean, sure. they just they just don't have a ton. Of, I mean, obviously they've kind of sold out on drafts of late. They do have next year's first. Yeah, so I'd like if you know, we can come back to O'Reilly, but if we're talking about Sandine, like I look at the Leafs D now, and it's different than a draft pick, right? Like, how old's he now? Is he twenty? Is he 22, 23? 22, 23. Yeah, and, and how old's the rest of our D, right? Like, well, Logan's like twenty-three. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it, even though I, you know, I've, I've not been as enamored with this game this season so far, but I think it would be detrimental long term, way more than a draft pick giving up. Um, to to give up on him now, you know what I mean? And it would, obviously these always depend on the return, but I just feel like we don't have enough assets like him to to move on unless it's for a really good deal. I don't care about the long term. Like, yeah, Kyle's I, all in. The team's all in. The core is like this is like prime age Matthews and Marner. You have to go all in. This is where we go but, to the forty year point, right? Maybe seven yeah, out of sure. 40 and and I I think you're getting to we need to add a D, and I actually kind of agree with that. And as I obviously I'm like a huge Sandine fan, I would I would trade him for a better defenseman. But like a lot of the things I hear people talking about are moving him for players who are worse than he is right now. 
Well, I hear you're talking I hear about like, about oh, we could get like, like Gavrikov for him. I'm like, Gavrikov would be like the 8D that I would want in the lineup. No, he's he's better than people give him credit for, I I think. But I he's they, not he's not he's not in our it, top six for me. It, oh, he honor he would be in their top four. I'd without okay. question. Without question. But How about even, Luke Shen. I, I hear even, chatter about Luke Shen. Yeah, 100%, no, no, no. Luke Shen is not like Luke Shen's not top pair on the Marlies for me right now. I love Luke yeah. Shen. Like, you no, you couldn't you couldn't I you could acquire Shen, but not for Rasmus Sandin. That's no, not even remotely. Yeah. Here's the other thing about Ras, because like I think people see defense and they're only looking one way. This team still, especially if Sheldon is going to play O'Reilly in the top six, doesn't have enough secondary scoring. And so I think it's foolhardy if you don't address that to move one of the guys who drives offense who is not in your top six, and that's Ras. You know? Yep. You're yeah. making you're making that lack like who's going to produce offense? Well, I just look at it as as Ras to me is on the border of he's probably a guy that could lose you a game in the playoffs, but he's not going to be a guy that wins you a game. And I like him. I think he's gonna he's gonna be a good player. He he's gonna be a good player. I think it's not to knock him. I, I like him. I, I also yeah. kind of question. You look at Riley, and he's locked in. And you know it is what it is. I mean he's gonna he's gonna be on the first power play unit with that contract. And I know people sit there and I, it's conversation i have every single year people are like doesn't i don't care what contracts are you know i played in the gthl for five <laughs> years as a child i just whoever's plague plays and it's just that's not the way it works it's just not first of all that's not how the gthl works either is it some fall well, sometimes well sometimes the contractor is something that's what i mean the, right behind the scenes but i don't know let's i'm just gonna say as i went to tim peel ref camp i know how it goes you know i know the real <laughs> And and so it blocks Sandine. And so my part of the at least mental hurdle for me that I've had to kind of grapple with is how good is he going to be if he's not on the first power play unit? Sure. You know, I mean, how much you're going to hang on to a guy because you're going to sit there and say, ah, he's pretty good. But, you know, who's going to power play QB, our second power play unit that barely no, plays? He, he takes, he plays on the third pair. He's good at it. You could yeah. see a plausible future yeah. where he moves up to the second pair and is good at that. Right. Like, what saying yeah. that you need to reserve KP1 and a Norris nomination for him. He's a good player. Yeah. So if and you're going to trade him, you need to get a better defenseman or, yeah. or like Andy, a winger that makes you a lot better. And I you don't think Cops. No, and you made the point, Anthony, about, you know, 300 games played is kind of. Yeah. The the time frame and what's what's Sandine at now? 130, I think, it's somewhere like around there. Like that, yeah, right? he's so, got half the way to also go. Also signed to a great contract for next year. Yeah, right. Uh, but I, I think to your point about being all in and like it got go for it for the right return, he goes for sure. Sure. Who? Yeah. I got one name. That's it. Chickering. Sure. That's fine. Ch- Chickering's a stud. I mean, the only thing with him is whether, and it's not, it's not an only like small thing. It's he can't stay healthy. I mean, he walks in and he's the least best team. man. I, I don't think it's actually up for debate. The other guy that I think is, wor- is worthy of discussion on that is Matthias Eckholm, who I still think is very much really good. Yeah, and, and Nashville, Nashville would have to retain on that contract because I know it's the thing that everyone says to me next is he's making over six million a year. Yeah, Nashville would have to eat that if you're getting Sandine back. He's got, reality, like, he's got like two years left, two or three years. Yeah, I think it's three. So, and he kind of helps you transition. I mean, there's about to be a time that hits where Giordano is about to retire, hopefully walking off into the sunset with a cup mm-hmm. uh, here, obviously. You know, TJ Brody is contract is up shortly. He's, you know, he's not as old as Giordano, but to me, he looks like a guy that's very much going to hit the downswing. So it would be great to have helps. like a, or it'd be great to have like a 23 year old Rasmus Sandin on the blue line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely would. But for this, for this playoff run, I don't, sure. Uh, that, and that's the thing. And, and that's really the holdup. I, I look and say, I just, I just have a hard time. And I love Giordano. I love Giordano. I think he's great. I petitioned hard for him last year at the deadline. They did it. I think he's worked out better than anyone could anticipate. The deal that he signed, I don't know how you couldn't love him if you're a Leaf fan. Points for Italian, obviously. Obviously. Like, you just, you go down the list and there's just, I love the guy. But but the idea of him playing 22 plus minutes a night, every other night, is, is scary. Sure. So is that the, is that the biggest need? 
I think I I mean, hey, I would love a goalie. I just don't see how that that it kind of is what it is, right? And so you're done at forward though. Yeah, I would be done at forward. I I they have they have 12 legit NHL forwards. I I know people I know people point out Kerfoot and I know I know you guys want to talk about him, but my thing on Kerfoot at this point, and I've been hard on him for years now, is I, I I think people look at the salary and just say he makes a lot of money. It's time for him to go, but his contract is about to expire, and I don't think the least I think it, it the least be, viewed it as a luxury. So it would be so foolish. Like I had I had buddies suggesting that they should move on from him, you know, salary dump and get a D and, and find for the right return again. But especially with ROR coming in, like I'm totally okay with Kerfoot in the bottom six and moving up. Uh, in the lineup if he has to you know but he's still a useful player he's not a complete tool you know and three and a half million isn't exactly you know rich rich for a contract so uh, i'm really comfortable with him now what's that we could do a lot with that and he doesn't make any actual money yeah it's a paper 3.5 yeah you you could but the whole thing we talked about you know either the preseason or or last year after the playoffs was the lack of forward depth killing leafs right and this trade with ror achari address that big time and i think it'd be a step backwards to to move out kerfoot now and, and only because he's expiring contract you know it's like this is a, this is the last kick of the can with him they're not going to resign him i don't think unless unless keep has a lot more influence in the contracts than i think but um i i think i think he can be useful for us for sure if so if the money obviously prohibited them from doing literally anything gone i'll drive him to the airport myself let me know but they have four and a half million in cap space. I think it might actually go a little bit higher after Joey Anderson, whatever happens with him on waivers. I don't think money is going to be a problem. So if money is not a problem, I would keep him. I wouldn't just get rid of him for the sake of getting rid of him. The time to do that was in the summer. I think that was a huge missed opportunity. If anything, it would have just allowed them to pick up a couple picks and it could have been further ammo that he had in his in his belt right now to throw around, right? That's instead, just, we're instead we're looking assuming around. There's a couple picks out there for Alex Kerfoot in the summer, which I'm not. I, I'm not I think there was. I th- you, if I mean, whatever we're gonna think of it, but a few insiders. I know. I know Sarah Valley was was pretty high on teams had a market like p- teams were interested in Kerfoot. He had a career year. That's I, true. I, I think at minimum, I think they could have got a second. I think for three and a half million. They they should have been able to get a second. I would have I would have rather have just taken that. They should have got more for Matt Murray, obviously, and that brings back to the Zaitsev trade where it just announced they got a second and a fourth. Huge. And for less time left than Murray, and while I understand people will sit there and say, well, Murray has more pedigree, et cetera, et cetera. He was, if he didn't have the cups from year past, he was basically playing his way to Switzerland. Like he was he was out of the league last year, Murray, uh, and Zaitsev's pretty much done with two you know it's he's going to chicago he's not exactly going to a team that's taking a chance you know that chicago doesn't care yeah but so you know i think they could have got a bit more for murray too and it would have it would have given him a little bit more to play with and then ultimately i kind of look at it's it's those things that are going to stand out for me if it, if it doesn't work out i i know people saw the o'reilly trade and and it was to some degree it was weird criticisms and then on the other hand it was you know, how much more does this core need? Dubas has done his job. This isn't his fault. Extend him. And I don't think it's going to be the deadline that, you know, the deadline might make him, but the deadline's probably not going to break him. What would break him is the bets that he made in net, not, you know, doing something like selling high on Kerfoot and maybe doing a little bit something different at forward. You know, if his coach gets out coached again in the playoff time, like that's, that's on him. Well, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think, I, like, I was like, we were we were messaging here, but you know, like, so pumped when I saw that that news on Friday night. I stayed up for three hours after that because I had so much adrenaline going. Yeah, that was yeah, a fucking like, A Leafs trade for sure. Yeah, that right, you know. Um, and so, and I, I gotta give Dubis credit because he kind of he was he was keeping his cards close to his chest, right? Being kind of coy and sheepish with with, with with his comments. So people were preemptively kind of get, getting up on him for for being a pussy and not you know making a big move. So I thought it was great. And I thought it was interesting. Is it a reflection of, um, hey, just that this is a great team we got to go for, or also him realizing that the job security is not there, right? And him just saying, I got to go for it right now. And if it fucks me in the end, it doesn't matter because it's not going to be my job next year, anyways. 
you know? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I think not going for it is a fireable offense in and of itself. If, if you're not going for it this year, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Now, I, I guess there was some discussion around, you know, and we, and you quickly poo-pooed in one of your articles there, Anthony, but uh, you know, with, with, with Tampa yeah. being strong again, Boston being so strong, do you kind of, you, do you ease off and see how things play out next year? I think that's, that's, I, I think that's the wrong move, but I do also feel like this isn't the last kick of the can with this core by any means at least next year, like still, you know, you're, you're yeah. going to lose guys. Right. But we're, the core is still going to be there next year. Um, so it doesn't feel like, okay, this is the only chance we have with big pieces. I think next year, uh, depending on what happens with, you know, with Matthew's contract and Nylander is going to be really, you know, could really be the end of, of, of the opportunity with this core. But uh, I was, I was just curious how, you know, how you guys viewed it, seeing, seeing Dubas go for it. I mean, but- yeah, I'll go to you, Tiller, on this. For me, I, Anthony, I know you don't agree with me, and not every move that, that Kyle has made has been perfect. But you bring in somebody with that pedigree who basically ticks every box for what you would want the team to add, and you don't give up anything off the roster, and you don't give up your top prospects, and you get salary retained uh, so that you're basically paying him nothing the rest of the year. And it's such a powerful message to the rest of the group. Like, I don't know, Tavares already looks like you took 10 years off the man, right? He looks completely rejuvenated. And he wasn't having a bad year, but, like, he looks great. Um, it's hard to it's hard to say that, you know, yes, you have to evaluate his job over the last five years or whatever it has been. But, like, at a certain point, like, these guys have to break through and do it. I'm sorry. Like if you're Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, like at a certain point you have to go and win a playoff series. And like, you can talk about coaching you can talk about goalies. Like I would like to have a better goalie. I'd like to have Bobrovsky back there, but like, it's really Bobrovsky? hard. I'm not Bobrovsky. That's <laughs> okay. I'm glad we I definitely don't want to have Bobrovsky. I do back. not want Bobrovsky in that net. <laughs> yeah. I want Vasi back there. And you know, there's what one or two of him in the whole league. Um, you know, they made bets on goalies and I don't feel great about Samsonov going into the playoffs, but it's hard to say he hasn't been fine, you know, for he has been fine. he's been fine. And the alternative, he's been, he's, like he's been great you know, at locking up Jack Campbell, Jack Campbell that, you know, they're trying to, they're talking about buying him out already. You know, Oilers fans are already like completely done with him. So yeah, yeah no, I, obviously it's like, like you said, like there's, there's things that could have been done, but like both as like an, as a roster move and as a message you're sending to the group that we believe in you and we're doing what it takes to get you over the top. Like, I'm sorry, it's, it's definitely over the players for me now. Yeah, so. I think it's a great inspired move. I, I also think there's probably a line where, and it's probably not discussed enough. If, if the core continues to fail, that's also on him for not changing the core. I mean, sure. he could have at any time changed the core. He actively chose not to. He actually came out and said, I am basically betting my job on this. Yep. And so if they don't break through, he obviously has to wear some of that too, where it, sure. I, it obviously lies with the players. That is where the buck stops. They are the ones on the ice. But if they, he's had more than enough yes. time to evaluate them in big games and see them and year over year to decide to, you know, could he have traded one of the wingers in a deal for Matthew Kachuk, let's say in the summer? I mean, Probably. better than Huberto. Yeah. <clears throat> and Kachuk's well, but you got Huberto and Uyghur. I mean, that's not. Yeah. But yes. But that's the point. Probably. He could have shaken it up in a way where I just, sometimes the conversation kind of, the way it's brought about, it's like, oh, you would have traded him for Luke Shen and two third round picks. No, you could have just actually traded them for really good hockey players. I mean, our boy working class Howard Berger, who, who panned <laughs> the Ryan O'Reilly trade, Wanted to move Mitch out of town for Eric Carlson. So he didn't like the O'Reilly trade. No, he hates it. O'Reilly's too old. Why? He would trade. He would trade Mitch Marner for Eric Carlson, who is older than Ryan O'Reilly. It makes total yeah. sense for sure. It makes I think. Sense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Anthony, you make a really good point because, like, I think we do kind of like defer to. Well, of course, you have to double down on these core guys, and you're right. He didn't have to. He could have dealt one of these guys. On the other hand the way that they played in the regular season, it's like hard to argue that you would have won one of those trades, right? Like, like look at the year Nylander's having, like, are we, yeah. are we happy yeah. we didn't trade him? You go like, look at the year Mitch is having Jesus. Yeah. And you're not trading Matthews. And once you no. sign John DeBaris, you're not trading him because that's yeah. not a tradable contract. So, but you're right. Um, like for me, the big, the big, you could have shaken it up move is, is you could have changed coaches like that. That's always the one that yeah. can make sense to me. 
because um, it's a lot easier to do that. To, to be well, honest, he he's my biggest other than the goaltending. He would be my biggest worry going into any playoff series. It's just I think he's really struggled to make adjustments. Last year against Tampa was the first year where I sat there and said he didn't actively get out coached. That was the first year. Just you know, I got out coached by uh, who was it? Who was coaching the Habs when we? Ducharme, a guy who will never coach in the NHL again. It's God, like, that's embarrassing. And and John that is and, rough. and like sweater vest John Tortorella when he was in the prime <laughs> with Columbus sweater vest era that he was in at that point. It's it's oh, like yeah. yeah. You know, those are a couple. Those are a couple tough L's to have on the resume. Yeah, sure. and, and Torts coming out after criticizing the Leafs media, I was like, man, you have Torts defending you right now. I mean, did he send you a box of a box of chocolates too? Well, just... I mean, how much money did he make Torts off that series? Right, Torts is still coaching oh. based on that. Oh, but I think absolutely. you're right. I think I think Keith is he's probably the most at risk with the outcome of the uh, of what happened to the playoffs. I think no. more, you think you think Dubas more than Keith. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, so if, if Dubas is gone, Keith is gone. Keith is yeah. gone. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of, they're kind of, they're so tied together. So here's the question then. Cause like I get frustrated because like you, there is so much attention and it's very like media driven and, and like uh, click driven about like, well, who are we going to add? Who are we going to add? Who are we going to add? But ultimately, what is important is like, do Austin, is Austin Matthews the best player in a playoff series or is Mitch Marner? Do we yeah. go the other team? Do we coach the other team for once? None of those things have happened, right? Like, not, not of yeah, those none. four things, none of them have happened in six years. Best player, and best goalie, best coach. Over. Nothing. Even the year that we had the MVP, was he the best player in the series? No. Was he one of the three best players in the series? Probably not last year. No, Against Tampa? Yeah. He was pretty good. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, pretty good. He's the MVP. No, I mean, pretty, like, for, for the first five games, he was really good. But when sure. it came to crunch time, chip, chips down on the table, game six and game seven, I, I thought, through. yeah, I thought the stars were largely disappointing in game well, six. Since we're talking about forwards and the stars, oh. do you want to talk about forward lines? Because there's been a lot of chatter about, you know, where ROR should, should be. Well, we'll get to the lines, but like, yeah. I just want to pose a question that I think it's important. And okay. then the lines will come into that is, have we seen things from the forward group, things from the coaching, things from the goaltending that makes you think that like the, what's actually already on the roster and the core of the roster is going to do something different this time? I think Nylander is demonstrably better this year. This is his best year. I think it's not That's close. True. He is hard to get yeah. off the puck now. And he yeah. wins so many puck battles. For the yeah. record, I did call big year for Nylander in our, in our preseason pod. You did? <laughs> you did? But no, I, I I think I I and Anthony, you were the one pushing to, to get Nylander back with Matthews. Yeah. Early on, if memory serves. Yeah. And uh, I think it's fantastic. I, I know we paid a lot of attention to Matthews not being as productive, and there's something there is something up there. I think a little bit, but um, I feel way better about this combo. Never mind even before ROR. I feel better with the way Matthews and Willie are firing, and then Mitch and John are firing um, versus having. Mitch and, and and Matthews in the same line. So it felt like a bit of eggs, all eggs in one basket, you know? Um, so, yeah, and I do it feel like Tavares, happened. what's that? That was what was happening. We were arguing about it at the beginning of the season. I said yeah. Tavares and Nylander do not move the needle together. And I think it's like Tavares has had such a better season this year already, even before ROR. And if there was something to last year coming off that injury uh, against Montreal, he never, he never got firing, but I thought like, I think he's been great this year. Like he looks like him, like his old self for sure. Um, and I think the addition of ROR is um, uh, is only going to help. Yeah, and I think some of this too, which which plays to Tiller's previous point, is he has more options than ever before. And Ryan O'Reilly is legitimately good enough to be the best player in a playoff series and win yeah, you a playoff yeah. series. And so if, if the core guys do struggle and this is, this is the leaf fandom where it's, where we automatically go to the bad thing that happens and how will you react to it? But if they do struggle, is he essentially going to have the stones to say, take a seat. I'm, I'm going to run with these guys instead that are cap are still very much capable. Cause there are, there were times over the years and, um, I've been as hard as him on any for the Columbus loading up the lines in game five, which was just a terrible coaching decision. But 
but I'm sure to some degree, he just felt that he didn't have forwards that he could string together. Like, I think he just looked at it and said, these guys stink. We have Nick Robertson playing straight out of the O we have Andreas Janssen coming back from surgery. He hasn't played in five months and he just said, screw it. These guys suck. But like, that's not this group. They don't stink. Do you know Andreas Janssen's played more games in the AHL this year than Joey Anderson has? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And less games in the NHL and scored less goals this year. Like that's kind of mind blowing. Like what's happened to his career. Yep. Yeah, I think that he can still play in the league too as an aside, but someone's going to take a chance on him and he's going to have to go to an Arizona or something and yeah. show some value. And, and you Chicago. know, it's, yeah, it's not going to be a good team, I don't <laughs> think. I think it's going to be some shit team and he's going to have to figure it out. But all that to say is the discussion with O'Reilly, it's so if I if I look at Tampa's lines, because that's who they're going to play in the first round, it's, it's Hagel, Point, and Cooch. And then it's Sorelli, Stampkos, and Kalorn. And I'm I'm just I'm not sure that you get the crazy value with O'Reilly, Tavares, and Marner all on one line, as opposed to if you just kept Yarncroc there and then you put O'Reilly on the third line. And to me, that's the value. I think the Leafs top six and Tampa's top six, without O'Reilly in in the mix whatsoever, saw each other off. I think but, but and I kind of agree, and I've been waffling on this myself. And, and and notwithstanding the game last night, but you know it was uh, it was still o- Buffalo. I you know and, and, and o- O'Reilly was having a rough year, right? And um and I was looking, I didn't realize he was he's been putting up big minutes with fucking Josh Lavo in St. Louis. Yeah, right. Yeah. So he's having a down year playing with you know not great line mates. Brandon Sod. Yeah, Brandon yeah. And so you know it's a big splashy trade. He's coming. He's having a down year playing with mediocre teammates. Um, I think the value of getting him, like getting him fired up and playing with good players, just from well. confidence and flow standpoint, is, is important. And with the third line, my only concern is like I want him playing more minutes. And if he's on the third line, like I don't want the third line playing more minutes collectively. Like I don't want I don't want Engvall and and Yarny playing more minutes just to get O'Reilly minutes, right? So I think it's it's that debate between balancing lines and getting as much much effective ice time out of O'Reilly as you can. Uh, and he's he's proven he's especially you know important in the playoffs. So I don't like the idea of him playing 14 minutes five on five, you know? Um and that's and so I I'm still debating, but you know early results of with, with this line it's like okay, he's getting his mojo back a bit, you know? Yeah. I they- was definitely on the Anthony side at first where it's like I was really disappointed when I saw Sheldon say, oh, we're going to run with this for a while. We're going to load up the top six lines again. I was just like, God, we could actually have three good lines for the first time in a million years. Like you go in with with Austin, Tavares, and O'Reilly as your centers, and you can go to war with anybody in the world. Like, yeah. why are we just going to do that? Just like stop trying to galaxy brain it into this. And so I still kind of feel that way. I, I take Danny's point. Like, it, it, you know, you want as much O'Reilly as you can. And also like watching them last night, and it is Buffalo. Right. Like Buffalo's not good. <laughs> I haven't watched no. a lot of Buffalo this year. And it was a bad game for them. But like, yeah, defensively they're pretty rough. Um, but like a lot of the problems with the playoff uh losses has been we can't we can't get to the home plate area, right? We're just passing it around the perimeter. We have tons of possession, but none of it goes anywhere. Nothing is dangerous, and and teams know how to keep us out of you know the gritty areas or whatever. And it's not because like we're not trying hard enough, but they just they can't figure out how to do it. And you watched how Tavares and O'Reilly got to the front of the net at will all the time. And I just like, I want to see that against Tampa. I'm sorry. I want to see those two dudes because they're so hard to handle. And you've got to worry about Mitch, right? Dancing with the puck and like doing whatever he wants. And do you, you know, go out and stop that? Or do you try and stop these two horses in front of the net? Like yeah, that's... They, they, they could, they could be an absolute wrecking ball line. Yeah. Um, with the, especially with, with Mitch dancing around, like how did they, how do you defend that, right? How do you how do you contain that? So, and then they and go. Maybe, maybe, you got to deal with Austin Matthews and Willie Newlander, right? Like, I mean, yeah. that might be the best. That might be the best way to go. And and I honestly see again, I wouldn't be. I'd be fine with us adding another forward. So I know we've talked about D, but like you know, Achari is great. A great ad for the bottom six. But if we get another guy for the bottom six, I'd be fine with that. What kind so, of names are out there still, though? So before we get to that, the names, I, I do want to talk about that. I think people have been a little bit knee-jerky on the Buffalo game. I love the Buffalo game. Yeah, I've said it at the very <laughs> beginning of this. I loved it. I loved every second of it. I wanted to take a bath in that game. It was amazing. 
right? I mean, they fully ran a train on them. I was aware. I, I have eyes. I watched what happened. But O'Reilly after the game, if anyone heard it, was fairly funny because in the nicest hockey talk that he could muster. Like, this yeah. is not this is a bullshit yeah. game. Yeah, he pretty much said it. He said it about being a rush offense game. I mean, it was a joke. I watched his second goal about 10 times and just was like, <laughs> how on earth did this happen in an NHL game? Yeah. In in February. I mean, this is this is 18-year-old October hockey. And well, and just... the bunting goal is like Jack Quinn falls down in the neutral zone. And oh then my god. There was a stretch pass and then the goalie leaves half the net open. You, you <laughs> could you could physically see game. bunting look up and go, holy <laughs> fuck, like the whole net's open. Like you yeah. could you could see it. If you actually watch it, you'll see a second where he looks up and he's like, <laughs> This is embarrassing. And then yeah. he just shoots it and scores. <laughs> I was watching so, U.S. broadcast, and they're like, "I don't think I can fault the goalie for any of those." I'm like, "You mean the one where he stood in the corner while Bunting just put it?" Yeah, the yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got a problem with that one, Jack. Yeah, short side. That's minor league. That's minor league side. But and yeah, I, I don't. Think it, like, I know what you're saying, but in in theory, though, I think it's still worth. And that's why I said on Twitter the other day, like, I'm okay with a few games of this, right? Five or sure, six, seven games, see how it goes, and it, don't just stick with it for the sake of sticking with it out of principle. But at least give it a shot, though. I think the idea of getting his mojo going I, is probably worthwhile as well because he's played. He's I like played- that. I do like that. Like, get him going. He hasn't obviously been productive this year to the standard that he is accustomed to. Great. I mean, guys, everybody has been good with Mitch Marner since he's entered the league. I mean, That's the great. laundry list is insane. The Ozak JVR yeah. turned them into a first line, basically. Patrick, he squeezed out one more sick year out of Marlowe. Like, yeah. you know, you go Tavares is 48. Matthews 60 you go down the line it's it's Marner 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 yeah. it, the the shock and awe that someone was also good Ryan O'Reilly is a sick player John Tavares is a sick player of course if you put them on the ice together they're gonna figure it out good players yeah. figure yeah. it out I love the idea of getting O'Reilly going I don't fault him for that I think the biggest the biggest storyline to the lines when they're like this and you can't and this is where I get to Buffalo it's not really so much to knock the way that they ran a train on them as a line, because that was great. No matter what, like it's still the NHL and they absolutely lit them on fire. So hats off to them. But when you look at the, you look at who they've played so far since acquiring O'Reilly and this guy has been very good. And this line has been very good. It's Pierre Ingvall because he's really the guy who drives the third line. And he's been horrendous in three straight playoffs. So he's just done absolutely nothing. Yeah. And if, if he does absolutely nothing again in the playoffs, you can't do it. You can't just you can't watch the third line do zero things against Agreed. Tampa. Are, 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 are you suggesting that O'Reilly can be a guy that gets some yes. value? Out of I, I'm saying I'm saying O'Reilly yeah. on the third line. It literally doesn't matter. It's O'Reilly on the third line. He'll figure it. He will make sure that bad things don't happen, and he will figure out a way to contribute some along the way. And Yarncroc is fine on the wing. He'll he'll score a little bit. He can shoot. If nothing else, he can shoot. Yeah, and O'Reilly yeah. will Angle do sk- Angle can skate. Yeah. Uh, you know, Cali can shoot. And then hopefully O'Reilly yeah. stitches everything together. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. But, so, but cool. if you watch if you watch Engvall against, you know, the, the Habs on Saturday night, he looked sick. He, he looked unreal. He actually did. But he doesn't do that against good teams. And he hasn't done that come playoff time. And if he... If he lays an egg again, you just, it's not, that's my issue. It's not that the top six wouldn't be good. It's that the third line is entirely problematic. And, and it's, a black, the, it's a black hole. Yeah. And then you, in the second, in the second round, you're probably playing Boston, which is Charlie Coyle and Taylor Hall on the second line. Like those guys aren't bums. On the you, second line. Sorry, on the third line. That's third Boston's line. third line. And yeah. so yeah, you then watch. You then yeah. you have a serious problem, and, and that's my issue. It's not yeah. O'Reilly won't work with Martin. Everyone will work with. Honestly, Marner. if you're up against that third line, I'd rather roll with like Achari, David Kampf, and whoever, and just try and solve those minutes. Yeah, you can do that too. It's just like it's at not... least you have. A, I I actually would trust a, a line with those two guys to be able to handle defensively most lines, and then occasionally score a goal. More so than Engvall and and, and Yarn. More so than Engvall and Yarncroft, to be honest. Yeah. I know that they're our de facto third line, but the tough thing too is Achari and and I love Achari too. Again, points for Italian. Italian, but, sure. Yeah, right. Of course. So he's also played 19 playoff games over his past three years, and he has zero points and zero penalty minutes. I mean, you might as well not exist at that rate if you're him. If you have put up zero <laughs> the points, Terrell and Ricard you take, Wallin type line. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah like, I, like that's <laughs> right that is that is prime ricard waleen i just i and i love the guy i honestly confused and they played tampa twice yeah and he did nothing like maroon you know balked the chicken wings in front of florida's bench he was there nothing so i love the guy don't get me wrong but Again, I can't sit there in good faith and just say, yeah, like, you know, they're good. We've seen the trials and tribulations of playoff Kerfoot. Achari has done nothing for three straight playoffs now. Engvall has done nothing in his playoff career. I just, you kind of shrug and go, all right, well. Well, yeah, so we either either need need our, our top guys to be lights out and be the best players in the in the the series as always that's or, never changed always, or or we need our version of nick paul scoring two goals in game playoff hockey. like i mean it's the, that's the thing that's so frustrating though because like sam sonoff could go on a heater and put up a 950 and we'll just win anyway do you know what i mean like yeah. or he could he I, could I find that unlikely but yeah it could work and put it in an 830 and we're done in five yeah, and that's what makes it hard. But I just when I look at the line construction for the playoffs, and I think that's why Keith was actually quick yesterday to say Tavares is going to go back to center. We're going to try to roll it because I think deep down, did knows. he say that? Because like two yeah. days, literally two days ago, he's like, "We're going to do this for ages." Yeah, but he I, mentioned, I, I, he mentioned I read that it before been, the game. But I, I kind of read that as would he move O'Reilly to the wing, not necessarily to to, to three C. I think I think that he's I think he knows I he has to know if they don't if they don't try it that, that's a much that's an actual thing they need to try I, again I don't I think it's great to get O'Reilly going I have no issues with that you want to start him and say here go play with hey, a sick winger and yeah. then you don't have to be like put him on the third line with Pierre Engvall and be like it's eight games of Ryan O'Reilly yeah yeah it's so sucks. great it's like, yeah, yeah, go good. play with Mitch Marner great yeah, yeah, I think that's that's not a small thing, but I think to your point, Anthony, about the the, the teams we've played since the trade, like with Montreal, Chicago, who we lost to, who we still yeah. managed to like, lose, embarrassing. Yeah, but I think yeah. I think there 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 will be some more shaking up when we when the when the opponents change, right? Yeah. in the next in the next you, two to three weeks, right? You have two playoff teams coming up here, and your likely playoff teams in Minnesota and Seattle. Minnesota grinds. They're, you know, they're going to be on the road where they're obviously not as good. Buffalo's also one of... To, to, to healthy, their best uh, scoring defenseman continually. Yeah. Buffalo also... So they can get John Merrill out there. <laughs> yeah, Buffalo also rather quietly is one of the worst home teams in the league. They're like 17 and 8 on the road. It's crazy. Uh, I mean, it should have felt like the road for them yesterday because we know that Leaf fans took that barn over, which is also always great to see. But... But even by the standards of Leafs fans coming down the QEW strong, like that was ridiculous. That was like they, they were yeah. it was like eighty percent, ninety percent. Like it, yeah. was, it was unreal. I I was upset. I mean, I texted my dad even, and I was like, "How are we not here? Like this is a little embarrassing if we're us right now. We we probably should have <laughs> we should have attended that." And it was a good game to go to. Yeah, I'm, I'm it, traumatized. It was I, I I can't bring I can't bring myself to go back there. The Buffalo yeah, that's loss that always stands out to me is I'm pretty sure there was one where McCabe scored on his own net in overtime. Yeah, there was. That, there was. That was a real tough one. Yeah, he was he was trying he was trying to clear it behind the net and just slammed it right in. Yeah, slammed it like right <laughs> off the back of like somebody yeah. in the Raycroft's pads and then yeah. I feel for McCabe, man. Those are those are all like you know, he's kind of one of those guys I look at. Even even Dion, I sometimes think about what would he look like on this team in you know, in comparison to some of the bad teams that those well, guys played on. There's, there's a bunch of players that. that. Like, but also, like Brian McCabe, literally, hockey changed halfway through his career. Yeah, they, the they can opener. They they changed a rule, and then they but also changed the way the like power plays worked, and like it just basically everything he was good at. It was like we're not doing this anymore. You know, and it's I like th- if you put Scott Stevens in today's hockey, and he wasn't as good as Scott Stevens, but like Scott Stevens is not a Hall of Famer playing in this league. No. Yeah, but Scott Stevens is a Hall of Famer in '90s hockey. He's not a Hall of Famer in this league. He would have yeah, been Brian good McCabe though. Kind of, he'd be good. Yeah, he wouldn't but be he's a not Hall of Famer. No, 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 for sure he'd help teams. But yeah, you know, he was considered like the best defenseman of his generation for a few years. That's not happening. No, 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 no. That's at just because the game changed, and the game changed on Brian McCabe literally mid-career, and he just went from being pretty good and like on Team Canada, so he's overrated, <laughs> but like to being like kind of borderline unplayable. Yeah, there was yeah. there was a bunch of guys in that era, and I think this Wade is a good, 
I know we want to talk about trade guys, but I, I do think that this I is. I want to talk about Wade Redden playing in the A for three years. Let's just talk. But, <laughs> That's but what on, people are tuning but, in for, not to hear about whether we're gonna, you know. But on that timeline, because I think that this is an important thing, and I and I had mentioned this, and I tweeted about this, but we obviously know the sad news about uh, pension plan puppets and the divorce there with SB Nation, and obviously you guys are more original pension plan puppeters. Um, I would be remiss if we I would be remiss if we didn't talk about it at all. I mean, sure. it's been a wild journey. Like what are our what are some of our favorite all-time banner moments of oh, the man. original Barilco sphere? <laughs> well, I, I will say I will say this. I actually um, you know, we're talking about pension plan puppets, but I I found my way there. But before that, I actually um was on Cox Block, reading Cox Block with with God Till and Kim Jorn. Yeah. Um, and I still have memories of some of the posts, some of the some of the of the turns of phrases they use that still stick in my mind. I don't know if it was Utiller or, or if it was uh, if it was Kim, but um, someone was talking about a you know some kind of trade or some kind of bet, and it was a very recent. But they, they talked about like it was it was like you know a long time ago, and they said, "Oh yes, the sepia tone days of 1997 or something like that." <laughs> <laughs> so that sticks with me every time, but. Is it official? Like, is Pension Plan Puppets done now on SB Nation? It's like, done on SB Nation, but they are um, they're raising money to uh, to become an independent blog, and they had to go fund me for that, which well, man, I, I, too. But they've already crushed their target, like crushed oh, awesome. their target. That's so awesome. I'm real confident that they're going to continue independently in some which form. Is- and it is weird, like from a business model of like you know that started out like very like started as like a blog spot blog, and then. Yeah. You know, it became this SB Nation thing, then got taken over and people got paid for a while, which was dope. But like, um, you know, ultimately those things are not, um, they're not owned by the writers, they're not owned by the community, right? So those decisions get made. And it, I mean, tons of people still read there and comment there. My well, favorite PP memory that I can think of offhand was when we were all ripping Lee Stemniak there one day and <laughs> this commenter showed up claiming to be Lee Stemniak's brother and getting mad at us. And Kemi wrote, imagine being the Brent Gretzky of the Stemniak family. <laughs> 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 it was just amazing. So yeah, I mean. But man, it was, it was such a great community. And, you know, I was a lurker for a bit and I started posting there a bit. Um, and, you know, it, I think back now, some of my earliest posts, it was like, I did a trade tracker about how many uh, draft picks you know, Pat Quinn, JFJ, and traded out whatever, you know, and it was like literally a, like a freaking Excel chart pasted in there, like basic, you know, <laughs> and I remember, I remember Down Goes Brown was on, was on the site there, he posted like, this is epic, you know, so it makes me laugh how far things have come in terms of like information sharing and analysis, you know, that, that this simple chart was like, you know, mind-blowing, and uh, so uh, for me, it was early days when I was um, starting my new job, which I'm leaving now, like I mentioned, and uh, uh, what a great community your job, Dan? F off, Tiller. He's been talking about it on the group chat for three and a half years right yeah. now. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, like such a great community, um, a chance for people to write. And, you know, as, as sad as it is that people like, you know, aren't, aren't getting paid or it's not being funded. Like I always wrote because it was a passion. Right. Yeah. And I love doing it. And I loved the, the conversation that ensued. I love when people appreciated it. I love when people, called me out on things I got wrong or had, you know, whatever. So it was just, you know, it was a daily staple where, you know, they had the front, the FTB, the front of the branches, right. And you're in there and you're chatting, you had the game day threads, um, so many great posters. Um, it was just awesome. And, and, you know, I've been disconnected for, for some time, but I poke in once in a while. I just kind of, you know, you, you would look, it's like, there's a whole other generation now that's having that. Oh, same yeah. It's still super and, and, vibrant. And, and I yeah. love it, you know? And so, even though I'm not there now anymore, it does make me sad thinking that that's going away because it still is vibrant. And there's probably, if I'm being honest, there's probably better writers there now and better level of writing even than 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 back in our day as we were kind of you know figuring things out. No, because I don't write there anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think it's it is it is really sad. I I don't know anything, anything about the business model um, and what's viable or what's not. But um, I, it would be sad if people lost that outlet either for their own writing. Or for their own sense of community, because it, it it was a really it was a really cool spot. Like, you know, I'm I'm chatting with people on a daily basis that I met through that community. You know what I mean? So it's and that's, you think that's about like the amount of people that got jobs from there, or or that you know became writers because of that, or became friends because of that. Like the only reason we're all on this call is because of that broader yeah. Rokosphere network. 
And and as somebody who like, you know, you grow older and you, you know, you have, you know, you have to work harder to maintain your social connections. Like a huge part of my life as a Leafs fan is, is the connections with people I've been friends with online about this team for 20 years, like experiencing that. Right. Like, you know, like my, my dad's not a Leafs fan. My brother's not a Leafs fan. So when shit happens, it's like, you guys are the guys I want to talk to the people in my group chat, people I've known online for 20 years. Like that's how I experience the team now. Right. And that's really important because the fan experience of this team is like, unlike any other that you get, I'm fans of a bunch of different teams, a bunch of different leagues. I pay attention. Like the, the experience of being a Leafs fan is unlike anything else in the world. It's, it's incredible. And they're part of how that changed. It is, it is lights out. The amount of people that I run into regularly fires me up that I just randomly, I was in Cancun a few weeks ago and met someone at the, like at the resort that I was staying in. It just, I didn't say anything. I'm, you know, what am I going to say? Like I blog for this site. And then I'm I guess, he, right. Like that, like that'd be the weirdest thing of all time. Hey, to I'm say. A blogger. Yeah. Sure. But, but the, uh, the the next day his uh his wife was like shit so he figured out who you were and he's fired up and like <laughs> and he came down and we you know had a few beers and chatted about the leaves and it was awesome I, mean, I don't know what more you would you would want and when the original ppp and the original mlhs days were really in their heyday at the time it was the team was horrible yeah like it sucked like that was the so community bad. was what got you through it i mean the, that's, the the only, that's the only reason, right? Like yeah. that, that, those teams were unwatchable. Horrible. But the the ongoing commentary and debate and humor that oh, you, yeah. you you could surround yourself with made it all like worthwhile. You like know? a PPP, like the Joel Champagne post. Like I remember when they like, <laughs> yeah. like they, they just yeah. like I can't remember like, they renounced the rights to Joel <laughs> Champagne, and there was like a five hundred comment thread, like people <laughs> arguing about yeah. it. And I'm like, I think that guy was like a third line center in the queue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that's yeah. Funny. The mm-hmm. amount of debates where it was like, if only they played Carter Ashton on the third line, they'd be good. Yeah. Like, no, they wouldn't. He sucked. Like, it, but you we, needed like the levity and uh, we, we, we would be remiss to talk about PPP if we didn't talk about uh, Chime White Weisswasser. <laughs> remember him when the, when <laughs> the was the, the the Nokia phone giveaway and yeah. uh, they posted his name and we posted a screen or someone posted a screenshot and he came on here saying. Take my name down immediately. This is unlawful, or whatever it was. It's like, what a ridiculous thing that became. People still talk about that. <laughs> that was like twelve <laughs> years ago. You know, what I mean, it's ridiculous. I think if they played Chime Weisswasser on the third line, he could have gotten Carter Ashton going. <laughs> <laughs> the way some of those things kind of evolved. I mean, none of us really knew what we were doing. I mean, now there's a bit more of a, a formed picture of blogging and. Yeah, and whatever is involved in that. But back then, it was very much wild, wild west. Uh, the mainstream media hated us. That was as big of a story point as any. Access was a big thing, and it's still somewhat. Yeah, we've we've always felt slightly responsible for that for our interviews with the coaching staff way back when. Uh, when Greg Cronin, in particular, had <laughs> just a, a monologue on. Mikhail Grabov or Tyler Bozak and Mikhail Grabowski. And it that was one where I Alec did that interview, not me, but he instantly messaged after it was like, holy shit, guys, like this interview, I just it was electric to say the least. And, oh, like, and I wish we had like Julian in here to talk about the time he had a sit down with like Leafs management people about selling the MLSC Twitter. Yes. And they like have brought him down to Bay Street and set him down. We're like, okay. What did they offer him? Like 10 grand or something, too? No, not it was a, not a good offer. It was not a good offer. It was, it was like it was like 300 bucks and like four free meals at, at 11 or something like that. Yeah. Come yeah. on. It wasn't even a real, that's not even a serious offer. It's it like, wasn't. no, it wasn't at all. It wasn't a serious organization at that time, you know. It, it was the exact same time that Greg Cronin's like feeling like running yap, and then Dave Poulin is talking about how we have our own metrics, and that was the other thing, right? We we were like Andrew yeah. McWilliam is a blue chip prospect. <laughs> was was a big thing, and the whole epicenter of the whole analytics debate because like we were the only team that mattered, and the Leafs literally like for five years was like, yeah, no, what we're yeah. going to do is is run a fourth line with like Colton Orr and Fraser McWilliam, and and uh, let's see how that. <laughs> Fraser, what's his Fraser name? McLaren. McLaren. Yeah. FML. FML. 
Yeah, and it, it wasn't necessarily because they, they had the smartest writers, or I mean, there's lots of smart writers, obviously. But just, had the smartest just, just being just being the biggest the biggest fan base, I have to think PPP has had the most you know the most traffic, the most action going on. So it did become a hub, and there's there's all sorts of um, uh, bloggers and, and and fans from other SB Nation fan, uh, sites that would would be on there regularly, right? As well, so it became not what? just leagues; it was across the league, right? But what happens across the league ultimately doesn't matter that much. The Leafs are the protagonist of hockey. It's our yeah. story. Everybody yeah. else, like we're <laughs> Luke Skywalker. Everybody else is just like, you know, part of our story. But that's it. Yeah. <laughs> for any for anyone that will listen to me in, in real life, I've been saying now, basically since the O'Reilly trade, that the league should be begging for a Leafs Rangers conference final. Oh, yeah. Because I just think it would... I think both of those teams are so insanely entertaining. They're just so yeah. high octane. The Rangers are, I'm not even saying they're good, but I enjoy watching them play hockey. Yeah, they for sure. Big hits. They have a ton of talent. They get after it. MSG, which I've been lucky enough to go to, is an incredible barn. Yep. It just everything. And if you get that original six matchup against the Leafs of all team, I just I don't know what more the NHL could possibly want in a matchup. I'm not saying it'll happen. I hope it does, obviously, but I just I think that would be such an amazing oh, conference final. From an entertainment standpoint and from a rating standpoint, like that's about yeah. the biggest fan bucket you could ask for, right? Yeah, they couldn't possibly ask for anything more than to me. And I know we talked about this last year, uh, going into the playoffs, and and I kind of maintain it um now. I mean, not kind of, I fully do. It's if the Leafs ever go on on the run and and make it happen, it's not going to be this. It's not going to be Colorado last year where you swept Nashville and you swept Edmonton, and it was a bit of a joke for them to just get there. They lost two games in the in their own conference. It's going to be what it is. It's it's Tampa. It's Boston. It's, it's yeah. yeah. It's going to be just absolutely outrageous. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just going to be an absolute grind of of a run and i think i think a lot of people you know when we talk about that original era of blogging basically everyone that came from that era came from that at minimum that sunday 99 to 04 era so everyone had an understanding of uh what it was like here for winning and how how the market you know latches on oh, and yeah. i just, now I just how find it lifts, myself... how it lifts like the entire province. You know? Well, yeah. I, I had just I had just moved to the city in '99, and so I I missed the '99 amazing, run. Amazing but, time you know, to I'm come. The, the next four, and uh, like this town, like so it, it goes crazy for it. And I, I lived in a condo at the corner of Bloor and Keel, and we overlooked the 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 intersection. And after a Leafs win, and especially after a, after they they won a round, it was just horns honking um, for an hour afterwards, you know, like it was just the whole town was just buzzing the whole time. And I want that for my kid, right? Like she has, she has no idea yeah. what that's like. So, or just how stressful it is every two days, how exhausted yeah. you get after a few weeks. Yeah. I remember yeah. the last one I remember was the last time we won a series. And I'm from Peterborough and, and this like house on, on the George street, on the main street, hanging this big banner outside their balcony with like the games, right. With the Ottawa logo and the Toronto logo. And they would update it after every game. And then Ottawa got up three two, and I would just go buy it for the next week, and they just stopped updating. Uh, and, <laughs> and that I, was the last time. And I named my dog after Darcy Tucker, and he's sixteen years old now. <laughs> he's never seen a playoff win, so it, it's awful. And it's time. I think people forget how you know it's almost the Leaf fan, Leafs, the Leafs, and Leaf fans have been essentially the butt end of jokes for well over a decade at this point. And they just find new and exciting ways to lose. And it's like kind of this thing where other fans just essentially laugh at the Leafs. And, um, you know, you hear it, you know, I saw they were interviewing Boston fans, Sportsnet, and they were asking, you know, who they hated more, Leaf fans or Habs fans. And they all said Habs fans. And it was like, obviously, the Habs actually beat them in the playoffs in recent memory that, you know, Leaf fans barely hated Ottawa back then because we just waxed them every year. It was yeah. like, it was laughable. We would lose them in the regular season. And the amount of shoulder shrugging, could basically create a wave on the ocean with all the wind backfall. Like no one gave a shit and everyone completely forgets how detest detested to the core Toronto was Oh man! back in the day, because Leaf fans are so insanely obnoxious when they're winning. It is unbearable. 
for the rest of the league. And I love it. Like I love every second that like I want the return to that where they actually win and people are very, very angry at the team because that is when Toronto is really at its best. 100%. This is our year, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that one before. <laughs> I think It'll that's be a, at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what we've been telling ourselves. I think that's a great note to end this on. I don't know if you guys have any closing thoughts you want to share as we, as we log off here. I see uh, head shaking. We got the standard. This is our year. We really hope so. We're uh, we're a week and so or a week or so away from the trade deadline. We'll see if there's any action. Uh, and until then, as always, go Leafs go. Go Leafs go. go. Thanks for having us, Anthony. It was great chat, guys. Thanks, Thanks boys. boys. Cheers.